Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. together isn't it really is have a good look around the room it's good to see everybody wonderful to gather like this so whether you're from Stony Stanton or Market Harbour or Tamworth or Colville or one of those areas or you're here as a friend or a guest you're really really welcome and um, it's good that we're all together in one place not quite at the start of the year but not far off for what we called our mega meeting. Doesn't sound very um, sophisticated, that, doesn't it, the mega meeting, but feels pretty mega to me. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning, it says, "On, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. The NIV says, when the day of Pentecost came... They were all together in one place. When the day of power came, when the promise of God was about to break forth amongst them, when the prophetic word was ready to be fulfilled, when the the hope and the expectation and that sense of pregnancy of something due was, was so real and so heavy and so full amongst them, they were all together in one place. And the purpose of today is um, for us to be like that, all together, all at the same time, I think it says on there, all the church, all together, all at the same time. And um, I appreciate the... Uh, the prophetic word that's come, because I I certainly come this morning with a great sense of the significance of of us gathering like this. Said to somebody on the way, I feel it's like the most significant meeting we've had in about five or six years. And I believe we've come together and we're standing before God to declare our hope, our expectation, our pregnancy, our longing for more power, our belief in all the prophetic promises God has spoken over us. And um, you know as well as I do that such gatherings, such times, such togetherness has blessings and consequences that some of which, many of which are seen, many of which are unseen and are taking place in other realms. And so with that in mind, I want to take you to Acts chapter 2 and then we'll go a little bit further just going to read some, some sections from Acts, Acts, Acts chapter 2 because I want to talk to you and introduce you to a church that could not stop growing. A church that could not stop growing. So I'll read from the New Living Translation, uh, just little portions, um, so try and, try and follow. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost... All the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly 
there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Verse 11. We all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. Verse 14. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about it. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No What you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke, the sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen. And in and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed and with the help of lawless Gentiles you nailed him to a cross and killed him but God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life for death could not keep him in its grip 32 God raised Jesus from the dead and we're all witnesses of this And now he's exalted to the place of highest honor in the heavens at God's right hand. And the Father, Father, as he has promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. 36. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both, both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Spirit, Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and your children and even to the Gentiles, all who've been called by the Lord our God. And then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. And they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. And they worshipped together at the temple each day. And they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while, 
praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Chapter 3, verse 6. Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I will give you what I have. Chapter 4, verse 4. Many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. 13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures, and they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. 31. After this, prayer. The meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they preached the Word of God with boldness. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. And the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Chapter 5, verse 12. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade, But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. And yet, more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Crowds of both men and women. And as a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. And crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits. And they were all healed. 42, every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. Chapter 6, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, verse 6, these seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. And the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. And many of the Jewish priests were converted too. I know there's a lot in there. Wasn't it brilliant? This is a church that can't stop growing. Because this is the church that Jesus planted. This is the church Jesus planted. This is the church Jesus pioneered. And it's led by the men he's personally discipled, personally taught, personally instructed. And this is the church that's filled with his spirit in accordance with the prophets. And therefore, this church that we read about here bears all the Lord's imprints all his characteristics, all his hallmarks, all the, all the fingerprints of Jesus are on this church. This is the church Jesus planted, and it's a church that just can't stop growing. Because it's the church Jesus planted, it warrants our full attention. And there's so much to look at, and I wish 
I had a series of the next 12 weeks. But I don't know whether you saw or you something as we read through, you saw something. But I believe there are many keys in here. This is a people who are all together. Read that several times. This is a people, this is a church where all were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is people who embraced and lived out the prophetic word. Peter explains the baptism in the Spirit by saying this is what the prophets spoke. They embraced the prophetic word and they expected to live in it and walk in it. This is a church which, who believed everybody could be saved. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, Peter preaches. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is a church who gave their faith away with boldness. Over and over again, we read of their boldness. And I love the fact that this is a church through whom others could hear the wonderful things of God being spoken in their own language. This is a church who not knew how to communicate good news in language that everybody around them could hear and understand. This is a church that preached the power of the resurrection. Uh, that doesn't end in Acts 7. That goes all, Acts 6, that goes all the way through the book of Acts. Again and again, this is the, the leaders, the church coming back to preaching the fact that Jesus is alive. This is a church because it preached the power of the resurrection. It experienced healings and miracles and signs and wonders. This is a church who lived and shared their lives from house to house. This is a church which had the leaders it needed. And we ended there in, in chapter 6 where um, because of the growth, there were tensions, there, were, there was a need for more leaders. And so an adjustment takes place. And the conclusion of the rapid multiplication is that God's word continues to spread and there's further increase. And the outcome of this church is crowds. Thousands, non-stop growth. Growth, expansion, fruitfulness, increase, multiplication. Folks, this, these things are the inevitable consequences. These are the inevitable consequences of a church where everyone is together, everyone is filled with the Spirit, Everybody embraces the prophetic promises. Everybody's reaching out boldly, giving their faith away, telling their story in a way people can understand, speaking a love language that's received in the community. These are the inevitable consequences of, of the preaching and the demonstration of resurrection life. These are the inevitable consequences of a church who share their lives from house to house and whose leadership is constantly growing, this is a church that can't stop growing. This is the church that Jesus planted. This is the church Jesus planted in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. 
But what about the church he's planted here? I'm so thankful to be part of a church that embraces all these attributes in growing measure. I love that we're all together. I love that we believe in the baptism and the filling of the Holy Spirit. I love that we're learning to share good news in languages that people understand. I love that we embrace the prophetic word. I love that we believe anybody can be saved. I love that we experience healings. May they be more and more. I'm so privileged to be joined with people who are so generous, thoughtful, excited to be together. I'm so thrilled to be part of a church that's growing. And I want us to appreciate this morning, this is the church Jesus has planted. Of course it's the same church. He only has one church. But be assured of his planting, of his personal involvement in all the foundations of this church, all the planting of this church. This is the church Jesus has planted. And he's doing great things amongst us. He's reiterated again and again a prophetic word over us concerning growth, concerning health, concerning the villages, concerning wildflowers. He's adding to our numbers. This last year, we've seen people saved, we've people baptized, we've received 42 new members into the church this year. And I don't know whether you could put that little slide up, Katie, of, of some numbers. But you know, right now, and I, I just say this because we've not had an annual meeting at the end of last year, it's just an opportunity to update you on some things. There are 309 adult members in the church. There are a hundred people that we regard as newcomers. We trust you're all on the way in. There are uh, 54 youth, approximately, 102 children and counting. So that in total, there are about 565 people across our region. 442, I say approximately, these are accurate figures, aren't they? 442 in Stony. 74 all-in in Market Harbour, 32 in Colville, 32 in Tamworth, 17 in Colville. What's so wonderful this year? Jesus is changing our composition. Jesus is increasing our diversity. Jesus is bringing an influx of different types, and we've spoken recently of, of the tribes that the Lord wants us to embrace. Jesus has enabled us to work into Kenya. And um, on Wednesday, Andrew and Deborah and I will be, will be going to Kenya and we're going to have the privilege a week today, about this time, of laying hands on six elders in, in, in there, three elders in two of the different regions. So William and his wife Eunice and, and five other men and their wives. So we'll be really appreciating your prayers for us uh, all week, but especially this time next week. We'd really love that. Jesus is stirring aspirations in us for this year that's coming. My aspirations would be that in Stony we, we, we reach at least 500 people. In Harbour, 100 people. And we move those meetings to Sunday mornings. 
in Tamworth, 40 to 50 people. And we've just been thinking about some new patterns of gathering that will be most helpful to us in Tamworth. That in Colville, we'll have at least 30 people by the end of this year. And again, we'll develop patterns of meeting that really help us to be fruitful. Plus, we're going to explore Nottinghamshire and other locations. Jesus is stirring our aspirations. Jesus is empowering fantastic ministries that continue the Mum Stops, the International Friendship Centre, the Father's Heart Ranch, the Youth, the uh, Hot Rock, the Alpha, the Explorers, the Knit and Natter, the Flints. I always get really worried in case I've forgotten anybody. But what an opportunity this morning just to honour one another for all who serve so faithfully to help this church keep growing. We really do appreciate that. This is the church Jesus has planted. Has all the same imprints, all the same attributes, all the same hallmarks, all those things in Acts that we read. They're all the things we're going for, aren't they? We are after those things. That's what we believe we're here for. That's what we've given our lives to be part of. That's what, because we want it to be said of us, is it said of those believers at the end of Acts, or Acts 6, verse 7. God's message continued to spread, and the number of believers greatly increased, and many others were converted too. But there are three areas I especially want to just highlight this morning, because in these three areas, um, we believe there'll be great significance this year. These three things will position us for more growth, more fruit, and they are the Word of God and how we grow in our understanding of Him. They are the way we meet from house to house, how we practicalize our love and our how we reach our region. And thirdly, um, something about our leadership, how we develop and release gift, and how we ensure that there are always enough leaders amongst us for God to do what he wants to do. So let me just say something about each of those in that order. First of all, concerning the word. Acts 2.24 says this, God released him, from the horrors of death and raised him back to life for death could not keep him in its grip. Isn't that exciting? Death could not keep Jesus in its grip. He wears the victor's crown. Acts chapter 2 verse 32. God raised Jesus from the dead and we're all witnesses of this and now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. Verse 36. So let everyone know for certain that God has made this Jesus who was crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Chapter 4, verse 33, the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's blessing was upon them all. I don't think those things are unconnected. They testified powerfully to the resurrection of Jesus and God's blessing was upon them. The church that Jesus has planted will never lose its focus and its reliance on the fact that Jesus is alive. Therefore, Jesus is still powerful. Therefore, Jesus is still healing and performing miracles. Therefore, Jesus is still totally awesome. 
And our major theme in the word this year in all the congregations is this, the cross and the crown. We're going to look at what the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension, the ascension and, and the total triumph of Jesus over every enemy means for us. We're going to deal with why Jesus had to die, what his atoning work accomplishes for us. This, friends, is the message of power and liberty that pierces men's hearts, causes them to say, what should we do? The cross and the crown is the heart of the gospel. The cross and the crown is the source of all forgiveness, of all reconciliation. Colossians 1 says that through his death on the cross, Jesus reconciled all things in heaven and on earth to himself. The, the cross and the crown have implications way beyond this expression of the church that Jesus has planted. The cross and the crown frees us from all sin. The cross and the crown is countercultural. It's anti-self-centeredness. The cross, as Chris has been reminding me this week, the cross is offensive to everything in me that's about self. The cross is offensive to my self-centeredness, but releases total liberty, total freedom, total grace. The cross and the crown, and if I could get to the heart of it, the cross and the crown will securely establish us in our identity, who we are in Christ, the power we live in, in resurrection life as believers. The cross and the crown will do wonders this year for securing us in our identity. And you know as well as I do that the world we're living in is, is really trying to work out who they are who they belong to, what, what's going on. I, I'm so thrilled. The cross and the crown is the source of power over sickness, over demons, over depression and anxiety. The cross and the crown is the key to how we live everyday lives, how we behave and relate to one another, how we, how we die to ourselves and embrace the cross and can live in peace with one another and extend grace to one another and experience forgiveness with one another and live free and powerful. This focus will bring release and bring freedom and bring liberty and bring power and bring tremendous security and identity. I really believe this will release something and we will all be changed by it. Hallelujah. Not that you need changing, but... The second area is, is concerns our groups. In Acts 2, uh, 44, it says, all the believers met together in one place and shared. Verse 46 says, they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Chapter 5, verse 42 says, that every day in the temple and from house to house, they continue to teach and preach this message, Jesus is the Messiah. A real key in the church that Jesus planted. Do you like the photo, by the way? Yeah. Ted and Esther. A young Benjamin Kim. Rob and Marianne. Caleb and Alex. Oh, I miss them. A real key in the church that Jesus planted, the church that can't stop growing, is practical love 
and community life shared from house to house. And we've looked at this in recent weeks that the, the New Testament pattern through the Gospels especially shows the church growing from house to house and from village to village. And over recent uh, months, as you know, the prophetic word to us has highlighted our core mission to reach the villages all around, the villages where there's no real testimony, that there'll be congregations far and wide. Even last week, the Lord spoke about meeting around tables. All our members and all our newcomers and all the people we've never met yet that are coming this year need to belong to something that expresses itself in the home. You know there's a millennial generation that's written about who have largely shunned the glitz and the, um, the hype and want real authenticity, real community. We must respond to the prophetic word and have wineskins that are ready for growth. For us in Living Rock, a, a house group or a life group is a small group of believers. Some of the best groups I've been in have been six or seven people, but relatively small groups, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, plus family, plus neighbors, plus friends. And in our context, those groups meet three or four times a month, and they're devoted to those foundations in Acts chapter 2 of the Apostles' Doctrine and Fellowship and Breaking Bread and prayer. And they look outwards. And um, the existing map of our groups, which we last, um, we last uh, reshaped about five or six years ago, uh, some of those groups were in locations, some were according to life stages, but the, the map has sort of evolved over five or six years, and some of those groups are working well, others not so well, some are growing, others not, so some are holding ground. Uh, some people are fully participating, others not so. I believe it's always better to create than to evolve. I think Jesus prefers creation to evolution. And, um, and so what we want to do, as we've, as we've said um, over the last few months, is to create something in 2017. We want to create something so that couples generally can be meeting together. We want to create something where everyone can really feel they belong and they participate, where relationships are enhanced, where pastoral care is really effective. We want to create something where we can be present in all the villages and where we can especially be present in places where we currently have members but we don't have any groups meeting there. We want to be present in the villages because we want to express communities within communities. We want to create something that releases a whole raft of new leaders. We want to create something where leadership is not onerous, where people can lead a group and fulfill other responsibilities. We want to create groups where there are leaders and assistants consistently in all the groups so the load is shared and to create settings where everybody contributes, everybody participates, so that the task of leading is really simply facilitating a life that exists where everybody's contributing. The leader is a facilitator who loves and prays for all the members of the group. 
the church Jesus planted had an overwhelming sense of mission. And I believe the church we read about believed that they were alive to take the land for Jesus. I believe the church Jesus has planted has to embrace the same burden. We're here to take the land for Jesus. If I could put it this way, we should sense an ownership in all our villages. We we should feel these these places belong to us. Stefan, give me this mountain. That's our heart cry, isn't it? God, God, give us this place. God, you've placed us here, now give us this place. So we want to create something where there's a real overwhelming sense of mission, of burden, of destiny, where we own our whole region, village by village. We want the groups to be communities within communities, where practical love can be expressed to neighbors, where members can be close and on hand together to release the power of a group, not just the power of individuals. I would love us to raise our profile everywhere, everywhere where new houses are being built. There's a group in that village that owns that new estate. It says, give us this landlord. We have developed some draft plans, just in case anybody is expecting this. We're not announcing all the detail today. We've got a little bit more work to do. We need to approach some new leaders. We need to speak to people about some of the thoughts we've got. We want everybody to be very happy with... Um, all that we create, we are taking care. And uh, it is our intention, however, by the end of this month to have something we can circulate. By the end of February, at the latest, we're meeting in those new groups. In the meantime, there are prayer gatherings um, and there are open homes throughout the month and some of the groups will continue to meet socially together and we'll be meeting with, with leaders to train them. This, folks, is... This is a fresh refocusing. I believe it will create a shift in our mission. Involving everybody afresh in God's plan, increasing our burden for the world, but on the one hand, be in total peace. On the other hand, be really stirred. This will release something and we will all be changed. Amen. The third area. I've got just another few minutes. The third area where the church that Jesus planted um, understood something really significant was in the area of leadership. If you uh, just have another look at Acts 6, some people describe what happens in Acts 6 as a, um, the setting in of deacons in the church. It doesn't say that. It uses a verb which makes that quite possible. But whatever happened, the situation in Acts 6 is that the church needed, needed more leaders. Uh, they needed more leaders so that um, there was no neglect in the church. On the one hand, so that the, the widows in this case, uh, the widows were not neglected in, in the distribution of food. But on the other hand, so that the word of God and prayer was not neglected either. And so... A shift had to take place. And um, the leadership in any church is vital. Are you looking at our photos? I knew Sarah would love that one. And uh, the leadership in any church is vital. Leadership will either help or hinder. 
it will either release or it will restrain what God wants to do. It will either stir fruitfulness or it will cause things to stagnate. And this year we want to expand our leadership in three ways. Firstly, we want to really feel we've made great progress in equipping and releasing many people. We have plans for something which we are... The working name is the LRC Academy. But I don't know. That sounds a bit posh, doesn't it? But, but a setting. We, we, we had something called Accelerator a few years ago. We need to reintroduce something where we can train a lot of people and release you because there are so many areas of serving. So many areas. We had a meeting internally this week talking about how we do things on a Sunday. There are so many areas of serving. And uh, there, are, there are places where we're trying to plant and pioneer. We want people to go there and help be part of the leading in those places. We want to equip and release many people of all ages to step up and, and step out of their comfort zones and fulfill the call of God on your life. It would be awful, wouldn't it? to have regrets, to get to the end of this year and realize you could have stepped up and did something and didn't. So that's the first area. The second area is we want to reset the diaconate, the group of deacons in the church. And essentially, I know we've said this um, a few times, but this year we will establish a larger team of deacons and they will be those who are serving in key areas, including in finances, in administration, in kids' ministry, in pastoral care. That will be something we do uh, during this year. The third area is we, we want and we need to expand our eldership. I don't know how long it's been that um, Richard, Chris, and I have been working in a trio I know uh, Steve and Julian uh, were with us, and then Matthew and um, Charles. And, but for a number of years, it's been the three of us. And um, that's been great, but it's time to expand. Bible describes eldership as a noble task. I want to say on behalf of Richard and Christopher and myself, it is an absolute honor to serve you. Um, it really is an honor to serve you. And we look forward to the expansion of our eldership as part of our expansion in many, many areas. We believe this will release something and we will all be changed. So, are we there yet? No. Have we thought of everything? No. Have we got all our bases covered? No. But, folks, we are positioned for growth. We are solidly built. We're committed to great pastoral care. We're taking God's word to us seriously. We're hoping, we hope we're being effective in mission. We're raising up another generation and we do know where we're going. This is our day of power, our day of prophetic promise, our day of pregnancy. And we're all together in one place and we're going to have an amazing Thanks for joining us today. 
There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We meet every Sunday at 10.30am in Stony Stanton and 4pm in Tamworth and Market Harborough. Feel free to come and visit us. We'd love to meet you.